Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. Today, I'm so excited to be chatting with Adriana Cowden, and we're going to be talking all about thriving and living with 10 chronic diseases. I'm real excited to have her share this with you. I think you'll all be very inspired. You are listening to Creating Wellness from Within, a podcast devoted to helping you live your best life through self-care and wellness. In each episode, we strive to offer you actionable advice and tools to help you with your journey towards greater personal wellness. I am your host, Amy Zellmer. I am editor-in-chief of Minnesota Yoga and Life magazine and the Brain Health magazine. Additionally, I have published four books on the topic of brain injury and concussion. I am passionate about yoga, wellness, photography, travel, and all things glittery. You can learn more about me at creatingwellnessfromwithin.com. Today, my guest is Adriana Cowden, and she is a four-time entrepreneur and retired corporate America C-level marketing executive. In 2015, she founded Decaf Digital, a social media marketing agency. What's unique about her is her passion to give back and balance life. In addition to living with 10 chronic diseases and having undergone 27 procedures in the last five years, she serves on several boards of directors for nonprofit organizations and is a regular volunteer in her community. So welcome to the podcast, Adriana. I'm so excited to have you here and have you share your story today. Thank you. I feel a kindred spirit to you because I'm a big yogi Mm -hmm. and all about wellness, love to travel and absolutely love anything glittery. (laughs) Yeah. You got to have some glitter in your life or at least sparkle. Some Some sparkle. Yeah. 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 I know some people don't like glitter, but sparkle works too. So Adriana, why don't we just start with some, some of your background and, um, maybe give our listeners a little, uh, cliff notes version as cliff notes as it can be with 10 chronic diseases. Um, and just share a little bit about your journey and what you've been going through so far. Yeah. So, um, up until five years ago, I was working full-time in corporate America. I was a vice president and in marketing, uh, digital marketing for a fortune 50 company and was really just kind of cruising along. I had some uncomfortable GI issues. I had a like one GI disease and I had this disease in my pituitary gland, which kind of implemented some other diseases um, or created some other diseases. But I really was managing them perfectly fine while also living a very full life, which looked normal to everybody else. Um, and then five years ago, I was uh, diagnosed with chronic pancreatic disease and it just kind of snowballed from there. So going from months on end in the hospital to having major surgeries, um, 2021 is actually the um, year that was my five-year Whipple anniversary, which is your anniversary of when you have the Whipple procedure and only 25% of people make it to five years. So pretty special that I made it that far. Yes. Um, I subsequently had to have a total pancreatectomy where they remove my entire pancreas. And then they harvest what are called islet cells that produce insulin and transplant them into your liver. And that made me an insulin dependent diabetic. Um, since then, I've also ended up with two different liver diseases. Well, I guess one blood disease and one liver disease um, and osteoporosis from 
chronic use of steroids to manage one of my other diseases. So I just have this kind of jumbled um, body, if you will. It's totally different. It's rewired very differently. I have no small intestine. I have no pancreas. I have no gallbladder. I have no bile duct. I have like half a stomach. So it is very strange. Um, but mostly it impacts eating more than anything. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've been on seven feeding tubes and thankfully knock on wood, I'm able to eat my mouth today, but, um, you know, I eat mostly soft, squishy foods. I eat baby food, like those little baby food pouches, uh, applesauce grits, uh, egg whites, real soft, mushy foods and sweet potato puree, things like that. But when you're on a feeding tube for so long, you just become really grateful to eat anything. It's like just the I process imagine. of like chewing something. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. That would be very hard so, to not to not be able to enjoy food. Yeah. And and or alcohol because um, alcohol can aggravate your pancreas in a really severe way. Yeah. And so. Yeah. The one beautiful thing is after I had my pancreas removed, I was like, I want a glass of champagne to celebrate. (laughs) Now that it's gone, I can't damage it. (laughs) You know, I actually, I didn't know you could live without your pancreas. Most people don't. In fact, some people I tell I live without my pancreas and they tell me I'm wrong. (laughs) No, I think I know. (laughs) I think I know how, how I'm wired better than you. Um, the pancreas is a really finicky, fragile organ that no doctor, when you talk to them, wants to touch. It's like they teach you in med school. What I've been told is they teach you in med school. You can mess with anything. Don't mess with the pancreas. So it's just a really finicky uh, organ. And so you can live without it. I'm proof you can live without it. Um, It is not easy. You have to take, I take like three or four pills with every time I eat. Um, And I take between all 10, 10 diseases. I take about 50 medications a day. Um, so I, I max out that deductible in about March. <laughs> wow. Wow. And, you know, and looking at you, you know, you're this vibrant, beautiful woman and from the outside, most people I'm sure have no idea of what you're living with. No, no clue at all. Even, I even have doctors tell me, you know, I have a, um, I have a blood clot right now because from an IV from being in the hospital, which no big deal. I mean, the blood clot is like nothing to me. And, uh, the doctor I went to see, um, is, was like, I am surprised with your medical record. You don't look like there's anything wrong. You look fine. And I'm thinking, I expect that from a layman, but I expect a doctor doctor to be a little more kind of coded, you know, like I understand I don't look sick and I, I don't, I love that. I don't look like it, that you can't tell, um, you know, when we're on vacation and I'm in a bikini, you can see all kinds of scars, but, you know, I would say that the biggest challenge is because I look normal and look totally fine on really bad days when I have to park in handicap or I can't walk. Yes. I get the nasty looks. Yeah. Yeah. And, Um, and, you know, living with a brain injury, especially early on when I was still recovering, um, you know, it's so similar. You look fine. You can walk, you can talk. There must not really be anything wrong with you. And, uh, right. it, it is, it, it has its challenges. Like you're grateful, right. But sometimes yeah. you wish you had a cane so that maybe yeah. someone would hold right. that door open for you because it takes all your energy just to get to that door. It's interesting because sometimes I describe it as like, 
it takes all my energy just to walk through a store and put things in the grocery cart or the big buggy. But then I don't have enough energy to walk all the way through a parking lot with all of that stuff, pushing that as well. So my choice is like either park in handicap and do your shopping or park in the back and only pick up two or three things because I just don't have the energy yeah. and I don't have the strength. You know, it's just, it's, um, it's very confronting. You just, now I'm used to it because this has been my life for the last five years, but, um, you know, the looks still bother me. The comments still bother me. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you got to get home and then bring it in the house. And I know for me, I literally would just have to take like a little cat nap sitting in my car, um, before I could even think about bringing it in the house. Um, yeah. And I, I lived am, in an apartment at the time. So you had to go all the way down this hall just to get to your apartment. Yeah. It's just, it's those simple things that you take for granted that people don't understand. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The simple things. So Adriana, what, you know, what is it that has kept you thriving and being such an inspiration to others? Like what is it that keeps you going? Cause a lot of people honestly would give up. They'd be like, I'm done. I check out. This is too much. Yeah. Um, well, um, a couple things. One, I have an amazing husband who is the best partner and supporter you could even think of. So, um, So that's essential. And I have a very supportive family and friend network. Uh, I would also say, you know, after the Whipple, I ended up with PTSD, which I was shocked by because I thought that was only for military people. Um, And so my doctor was like, no, you definitely have PTSD. And so it was good to have a doctor recognize that and help me treat it with and without medication. Um, That was essential. And then I've always kind of had a happy disposition. I've never been a sad or angry or something person. I've always been at glasses half full or coffee yeah. mugs half full. And um, so I think that really helps. I'm a big believer in thoughts become things. And so mind over body, you know, mm-hmm. um, I started my agency decaf digital five years ago or five and a half now. And it was because the company I was working for, I was a C-level marketing executive Um fired me when I got sick. And Mm -hmm. so I thought, you know, one of the things I had said when they were kind of going through this process of just, you know, not treating me that great. Um, I said, you know, there's nothing wrong with my brain. The diseases are in my gut. My brain is perfectly functional. Like I am doing everything the same and they just didn't respond to it. And so, um, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful they made that decision because I ended up opening my own business and I have a very thriving business and I also love what I do. So I'm, I'm, I look at it as a blessing that that happened. Yeah. The silver lining. Yeah. And would you mind explaining what the Whipple procedure is? I think a lot of people listening probably aren't familiar. Um, and, and like, you know, how that kind of involves some PTSD, which you're, you're right. A lot of people think it's only for veterans, but it is definitely any sort of trauma can, can cause PTSD. So the Whipple is, um, a pancreatic surgery. It's usually done if you have severe terminal pancreatic disease or, um, pancreatic cancer at certain stages. And it is about a 14 hour surgery at one time. Wow. It, um, they remove a portion of your pancreas. Sometimes like in my case, they remove a portion of your stomach. So in my case, they removed over half my stomach. If you haven't had your gallbladder removed, they will remove your gallbladder. 
And then they zone in on where the areas of trouble are, such as your bile duct and your small intestine. And so in my case, they remove my bile duct and my small intestine as well. And then they repipe you. And it is probably the most pain I've ever been through in my life. Um, I was on copious amounts of narcotics. I was even on ketamine, which is a horse tranquilizer. I mean, wow. they had popped up on everything. But I think when it really got bad, coming home from the hospital, I had been in the hospital for about 21 days after the surgery and had developed an infection in the incision. And so I came home with a wound vac and with several drains and a pick line in my arm to do IV antibiotics. So that all continued for about the first six months and I was wheelchair bound. So I really struggled going from like this really vibrant, energetic executive that had it all together and kind of living the good life to being totally reliant on other people in my life to even help me take my medication or sit up and being in a wheelchair. So I was, and I was on so much medication. I wasn't able to drive. I sold my car. Um, so it was really, um, confronting. And I felt like I was losing a lot of my identity because up to that point, I had really defined myself by my professional success. And without that, I was like, I mean, who am I without this? So it was just a, you know, a conflict of crisis, I guess. You know, and I think that is such a common thing um, that we value our worth, you know, based on our, either our professional life or how busy we are as a whole. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that's something that I had totally fallen into. And um, my husband, Eric, has helped me redefine and, and my therapist has helped me redefine my measure of success. But previously it was, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, making great money, helping out my family, you know, helping support them while I was, you know, living my life and, and hanging out with my friends and sitting on community boards. And all of a sudden I didn't even have enough energy to sleep. <laughs> it's like Sleeping was tiring. Right. So oh. I had to, you know, I, I obviously was fired from the company, but then I had to resign from all my boards and I lost a lot of friends that just didn't know how to engage with someone who was sick. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I made some new ones that really understood that, um, which was hard for me is that I'm unreliable in that, you know, I couldn't make plans because who knew how I was going to feel. So you had to be okay with like spontaneously stopping by for some tea or coffee, as opposed to like saying, Hey, Wednesday morning, let's go get breakfast because Mm -hmm. one food is not easy for me. And two, who knows how I'm going to feel on a Wednesday morning. Yep. I can totally relate to that. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and the friends, you know, it is, it's hard. They, I, I don't think it comes from like a malicious place. I, I think it no. comes from a place of, they just really don't know what to say or do. And yeah. honestly, like for me, I had a lot of friends just like drift away and mm-hmm. all like, I just wanted someone to call and, and say, how yeah. are you doing? Or to come sit with me and watch a movie or just, just be with me. Um, and not even have to have a conversation, right? Like just, just sit and yeah. I I totally relate to that. I have my best friend in life. Melissa is we've been best friends now for 27 years and she literally would fly out for like a long weekend and just lay in bed with me all weekend. We'd Mm -hmm. watch movies. I would sleep through most of the movie, you know, but she was just 
she did exactly everything right, you know? And then I have other friends that were really creative and sent like those adult coloring books or how to start knitting, you know, cause they knew I was going <laughs> crazy. I could only watch so much HGTV. Yes. And yes. So, you know, and so much news. And so they, they sent really creative ideas my way. Um, and other ones that sent baskets of books, I'm a big reader. And so I was like, that's wonderful. But to your point, I had some that just could not, didn't know what to say, didn't know what to do. And were too afraid to ask. Mm-hmm. And so they and just I, think, I think sometimes people feel like they're being disgenuine. Like, you know, a lot of people are like, let me know if you need anything. Yeah. Um, but they don't necessarily want to do anything. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, it's just, they want to offer their help, but then don't know how to help. And I think it's conversations like these that help people understand what we do need when we're, you know, in a chronic condition or have just had an injury, you know, and and in my case with brain injury, it's so misunderstood people, Mm -hmm. you know, you watch movies and they get whacked over the head with a baseball bat and they're back to work in two days. It's like, no, that would never happen in real life. Um, (laughs) So people think, you know, well, she can't possibly be, you know, having that much trouble. Um, And it, it is, it's hard for people to know what to do. And they, they don't really want to ask either. And it is, it's, it's an awkward conversation, but if you just ask like, what truly, what do you need? And it might be running to the pharmacy to pick up your refill. Like that might be what I need today. Mm -hmm. Or like stop at the grocery store and pick up two things that I need. Like for me, it was always jello and popsicles you know, like pick up two things. I don't have the energy. Even we live across the street from a grocery store. I just didn't have the energy to walk across the street, get them and walk home with them. I just couldn't do it. But to your point, even like, would you mind picking up my prescriptions and dropping them off? You know, things like that. Or, you know, if you don't know what to do, offer to do a meal train for someone, get all the friends together mm, yes. and train, you know, and if you're not a cook, then just contribute groceries to it mm-hmm. and partner with another friend who can cook it you know, and then drop it off. I think the important thing is like, you want to, it's a fine line to walk because as much as you want people to um, step up, you don't want people to come spend two hours with you because you don't have the energy. It's like after 15 minutes, just say your goodbyes. That's like Mm -hmm. all you have in you. Yep. That's a really great point too. And, and you don't know who else has stopped by before you, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit too much overstimulation. I also think another great option is to send gift cards. Um, you know, you're, you're clearly out of work for a while, right? And while you might be getting disability benefits or maybe not, it's still not what your salary is. And so there's this, there's this financial burden on most of us that are dealing with any sort of illness or disease or injury. Um, And, you know, most of us don't want to ask for financial help, right? I mean, it's hard to ask for help. And so, you know, giving gifts, gift certificates to the grocery store, Target, restaurants, um, that stuff is so appreciated. I totally agree. I had a friend, um, I can't remember when this, oh, this was shortly after my surgery in 2019, the total pancreatectomy. Um, someone had posted like a friend of my a mutual friend had posted an update. Like she's doing okay. She'll be home from the ICU in the next week or so, blah, blah, blah. And it went to one of my friends from high school, one of my best friends from high school. 
And all of a sudden I noticed she had sent me a gift card for Whole Foods because we live a block from Whole Foods. And she, so she sent just virtually a gift card to Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. And I was a digital like, gift card. So, yep. Yeah. I was so grateful and just blown away by her generosity and kindness. You know, you mm-hmm. just don't know what something little to you will mean to somebody else. Yes. Yeah. I, I, um, found out a friend had just had a, a full mastectomy. And so I put together, um, a little, just a little goodie bag with all, and she has a, a son and I knew subway was re- literally like her son could walk down to subway. So I got him subway gift cards. I got her gas gift cards. Cause you gotta go back yeah. and forth to all these doctor, doctor appointments. appointments. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it just, I, I just got her all sorts of gift cards and put them in a little goodie bag. And she was just so, so appreciative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just means a lot. It really does. Especially, you know, when you're in the midst of it, it's ugly, no matter how positive of a person you are, when right. you are right in the hurt, the eye of the hurricane, it, it, you're in pain, you're on drugs, <laughs> you're tired, you're exhausted, but you can't sleep. And, um, yeah. Just any little thing really can help. Yeah. I even had um, my brother-in-law who lives in Wisconsin with my sister uh, was driving through our town on his way to somewhere at West Virginia or something. And he was like, do you need anything? It's like a perfect time for me to stop and get gas. And I was like, I mean, I hate to ask you this, but could you walk the dog? I was like, I don't have enough energy to walk Henry. Is there any way you can walk him? And he was like, absolutely. So he came by and he did it so well. He walked him, fed him and sat with me for about 10 minutes and then left. Mm, Perfect. You know, I have a good friend. She had COVID last year and she has a service dog. Mm-hmm. And, um, she was so sick. She didn't have the energy to take, uh, bud out for a walk. Yeah. And so she posted on, uh, I think it's called next door, sort of like a yeah. Facebook for your neighborhood. And she had so many people offer to walk him and, and then people knew she had COVID. And you know, so there's all these precautions you have to take to even yeah. get the dog. <laughs> um, and they would, drop food at her door or whatever, like people, she didn't even know. I mean, it was, it was just really heartwarming, um, for her. When I think it really does bring a community together. Going back to something we talked about already. Like it's very hard when people see you and you just look normal or makeup and hair done, right. As opposed to how you might be feeling. Um, it, it's very hard to kind of balance those for other people. I mean, people that are kind of mm-hmm. on your superfluous, uh, you all that's, I don't know what that yeah. word is uh, on your, on your outer <laughs> ring of friends, not, not your close inner circle, not like yeah. your husband or aunts or mom yeah. or dad, but, um, I think it's also hard for them sometimes to be like, well, you look totally fine. Why can't we just go get a drink? You know, I think it's very difficult. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, you talked about, you know, you have your hair and makeup done. Well, you're doing that to try to make yourself feel better. It's, yeah. it's not because you feel great. So I'm going to do my hair and makeup. Yeah. Sometimes it's just one of those things you do to try to help, like get yourself the motivation to even get out the door. Absolutely. It totally is. It just puts you, or like, I'll put on a nice outfit. I work from home. No one's going to see it, but <laughs> right. it makes me feel better. You know, yes. just get up, get dressed, get your day started. But I, I clearly remember after the Whipple, it would take me about two and a half hours just to shower and blow dry my hair. No makeup, nothing. It just took so long to do anything because I was mm-hmm. so very weak and in so much pain. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, I know for me, I didn't, I mean, I didn't shower for days on end because yeah. I don't know what it was about the shower, but showering and particularly washing my hair was so much work. And then yes. if you wash your hair, you got to dry it somehow too. Right. So, yeah. oh, I just remember just like dreading having to take a shower. <laughs> so I didn't. I totally get that. <laughs> I didn't do it for days either. I mean, I'd be in the hospital for six days and they wouldn't shower me. Yeah. Now, yep. granted, I didn't smell, but I mean, had I had an odor, it would have been different. But, right. or, you know, when I got home, I wouldn't shower for three, four days. You know, I'd shower every three or four days because to your point, I don't don't know what it is about showering. I don't know if it's standing or the constant movement of washing mm-hmm. or what. It was just too much. It's so much just work. Too much. It's too much so work. So much work. Which even getting out of bed and normal. brushing your teeth someday is a lot of work too. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is really um it is really amazing how much work just showering and doing a morning routine can be. Yeah. And and understanding that even if I have the energy to do my hair and makeup, I might be done for the day. I might look mm-hmm. really good laying in bed. <laughs> you used up all the spoons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I might be the prettiest person hanging out in bed. <laughs> yep. Well, Adriana, this has been such an important conversation. Thank you so much for being willing to just be vulnerable and authentic and share your story with everyone listening today. I, I really think it'll make a difference in someone's day today. Thank you. I hope so. If it makes a difference in one person's day, that's all I ask. Um, And if people want to reach out and learn more about what you do, your website is adrianacowden.com. And we do have a clickable link in the show notes for anyone. Um, So just give us a little teaser of what people can find on your website. Yeah. So I have been a coach in addition to my social media agency that I run, I have been a coach for the last 18 or 19 years, way before it was ever cool to be a coach. And um, so I work with entrepreneurs and executives that are facing transition, whether it's a career transition, a life transition, a health transition, but in that transitory stage, take them kind of from beginning all the way through getting settled and usually 90 days after. Um, but so if they're strug- if anyone's struggling with making a career change or with making a life change or confronting chronic illness and how yeah. to thrive instead of survive, that's exactly what I'd work on. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Adriana. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. And thank you everyone for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please consider leaving a five-star review wherever you are listening to help others on their own wellness journey discover this podcast. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day, everyone, and I'll see you in the next episode.